We all have questions that we'd like to have answered, and we've been thinking about some of those questions over the past few weeks in the series that I've called Ask. And we've talked about how people sometimes are afraid to ask the really important questions of life in church because they're afraid maybe somebody will think they're stupid, or they're afraid that you don't talk about certain things in church that they may be wondering about. But, but we've really attempted to approach some of these questions directly and hear from Scripture. What does God want us to do to frame our, <clears throat> our answers? So we've been thinking through that in this series called Ask that I'm bringing to a close today. Now, really, I think this series has had a twofold purpose. The first is to deal with the questions, to talk about the purpose for life and what happens after we die, and all the important things that we've been discussing along the way. But the second really is, is about the life of our church and thinking about how we as a church, a community of faith, can develop a safe place to make us a safe place where people can come and ask questions. Because chances are, if one person is wondering about some important issue in the room today, then several people are wondering about that. And it is so much better for us as a church if we have the kind of atmosphere in which people can say, you know what, I don't understand this. I've been wondering about this. This is making me question my faith. This is making me wonder about God, and I just don't know how to respond to it. It is so much better for us to think through answers to those questions than to leave us all sort of wondering, what is the answer to that? And so I think we've been working through that over the past few weeks, and today we come to maybe the most touchy of the questions that we're going to address here at the end of this series, and it's this. What about other religions? Now, chances are, somewhere along the way today, no matter how you approach this question, I'm going to make you mad, all right? So I'll try to make everybody mad equally, all right, wherever you are in this process, and, and we'll all go away mad at the preacher, okay? We are touchy about this, aren't we? I mean, we have strong feelings about some of this, and so uh, it is a little difficult to come at this and not you know, touch on things that really matter to us, things that we're concerned about, things that we have some fear about. Now let's back up for a minute before we get to the question, though. Okay, I grew up going to the same church, we'll do this before, from the time I was, you know, the first Sunday after I was born and could come to church until Leanne and I got married when we were 19, all right? So all that time, same church, church I grew up in, church my parents still attend. I also went to a school sponsored by this same group of churches, okay? So from Sunday to Friday, I was with basically the same group of people, okay? We, we all were pretty much the same. Our, our houses basically looked the same. Our families looked the same. We believed most of the same things. We were all pretty much very similar from top to bottom, okay? And when we would come to a question like, what about other religions? What came to our minds were something like Baptists, okay? Because we didn't know anybody else. And maybe, you know, long shot Catholics, but, but few of us knew a Catholic, so we just sort of had an idea what they were like, because we were just all the same, okay? And you know, the truth is, that life, Wow, it's, it's a lot simpler, isn't it? When everybody's the same, it feels more comfortable. 
Now, it's amazing how we find ways to divide ourselves up over minor things, you know, even when we're all the same. Like today, I realize there's two kinds of people. The first kind of people wanted to be in the car with Randy going around that track, and the rest of us want nothing to do with that. So we find ways to divide ourselves even when we're all pretty similar. But, but our world has changed. Our world has changed a lot. Our culture has changed. And, and the world that I described that I sort of grew up in, man, that, that world is gone. And in some ways, that may be a good thing. Because that was never the real world to begin with. The real world, the whole world, is much more diverse, much more different than, than all of us who were just sort of the same. And we missed a big part of what humanity was all about. But it made it more complicated when things began to change, for those of you who remember some of that. It made it more complicated because we came in, in contact with people who are different from us in what they believe and how they approach life and how they approach God. And there's a certain amount of fear in that. When everybody is the same, we're all comfortable with each other. We believe the same things. We don't have a whole lot of arguments about that. We approach life in very similar ways. We don't have a lot of arguments about that. We don't have to face that many differences. So it is simpler. But when things begin to be different, then, then there's a certain amount of fear. And we're not sure what to do with that. We're not sure what to do with people who approach things so differently from us. And I remember having a real encounter with that when we visited Zimbabwe four years ago. And, you know, we went out one evening to eat dinner and we passed by the big mosque in the capital city of Harare, and the loudspeakers were calling all the Muslims to prayer. And you know, I've seen that on TV, but it was different to drive by. And it was different when we drove down the streets of the capital city and even out in the country, and you would see a group of people sitting on the side of the road, all dressed in white, most of them sitting down, one standing up, and it would be a prophet who had gathered his followers together for teaching. And he might be a little Christian, a little bit of some of their African religions, maybe a little bit of Islam, throwing, just some stuff that he liked, and he gathered a following. And these people adopted his set of beliefs, and it was always a him. It was different. And it's different when we begin to actually encounter some of that, and it creates some fear in us. Now, our culture is changing, too. We're dealing with people who have a different set of beliefs. And while, you know, if you polled everyone, there would be more people who, who said, I'm a Christian in our country, than there would be people who follow other religions we're beginning to be affected by Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism. And even more powerfully than some of those, people who say, I'm not interested. My religion is none. I'm not sure there is a God, and I'm not even interested in exploring whether there's a God. And so we've got a new mix in our culture. And for some, that's a little frightening. How do we respond to that? It's a struggle. And then that's all complicated even further by sort of the extremes on this. You've got people around the world who become extremists in their religion, and certainly what comes to mind is, is Islam, but we see extremists in virtually every religion, and certainly if you look at history, you'll see that. People who are willing to, to kill because of their 
religion. And that creates an even deeper fear for us because we're not sure where that's headed. And on the other end of that extreme are the people who say, well, you know what? All religions are basically the same, right? I mean, they're all worshiping the same God. They're just different paths to the same God. And, and you just choose your path. It'll be all right. It doesn't really matter. You'll get there eventually. Choose the one that suits you the most. And so we as Christians, in the midst of this culture that's changing, in the midst of this culture that has so many different approaches to life and to God, we have to figure out, well, how, how do we exist in the midst of this? What do we believe in the midst of this? How do we approach people who believe something very different from us? Well, today, as we think about that question, that question, that last question in this series, I want us to look to a couple of passages of Scripture that I think can help us with this. Jesus deals with it, and then Paul deals with it as well. Maybe, maybe not the question, what about other religions, but it gives us some answers that I think can help us. In John chapter 14, is where we're going to be at first today. We're in the midst of this uh, story. It's the last week of Jesus. He's just told Peter, hey, Peter, there's going to come a time when you won't even admit that you know me. And you know what Peter says. Oh, Jesus, you're kidding, right? I would never leave your side. I'll always be with you. And then Jesus begins to paint this story of what's next and tells them, I'm going to leave you. I'm not going to be with you physically anymore. And they're a little confused by this, and Jesus tries to explain it a little more down in verse 3. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me to be with me that I, you may also be where I am. That sounds like good news, right? Jesus is going. Talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jesus will return, and we're going to spend eternity in the presence of Jesus. We talked about all of that at the end of Revelation. And then verse 4, he says to these disciples, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Well, they should. Jesus has talked about it enough. If you read the first 13 chapters of John, you'll hear Jesus telling the disciples, this is where I'm going, this is how you get there, this is how you follow me, this is what it looks like, but they haven't clued in very well yet. In verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. What are you talking about, Jesus? We don't get this. So how can we know the way? Jesus, you've you got to give us a little more. Because we're not sure what's happening next. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't lay out a timeline next. Jesus doesn't say, well, let me explain to you step by step what the next things that are going to happen are. I'm going to be arrested and tried before Pilate, and I'm going to be crucified and then buried, and then on the third day I'm going to be raised from the dead, and later on I'm going to ascend into heaven. That's not what Jesus says. He says this in verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is making some pretty important claims here about himself and about his teaching. He says, if you want to know where I'm going and if you want to know how to get there, if you want to know what's next, here's what you need to keep in mind. Number one, I'm the way, the path, the road, it's all the same word. If you want to get there, 
What you've got to do is you've got to invest yourself, you've got to invest your spirit, your life, everything that you are in me. Because if you're serving me, Jesus says, you're on the path. You're following the right way. You're headed in the right direction. I'm the truth. Now, there were a lot of truth claims in biblical times, just like there's a lot of truth claims in our world. And in fact, John has this amazing interchange between truth and falsehood all the way through the gospel. And you have Pilate saying, during the trial of Jesus, what is truth? Jesus has already answered that question. He answered it here. What is truth? He's truth. If we want to know truth, If we want to know what is most basically and completely true, we look to Jesus. If we want to know what God looks like, the best picture that we have of God is Jesus. If we want to know what eternity looks like, we need to listen to Jesus. If we want to know how to get there, we hear Jesus and we believe him. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life here and in eternity for John John talks about eternal life beginning when we make the decision to follow Jesus that we need not worry about death and if we want to have life and have it to the full as scripture says we follow Jesus I'm the way the truth the life and then Jesus says remember No one comes to the Father except through me. That's an exclusive claim. You know, there are people in our world who say all religions are the same. There may be a few minor differences. But if we really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, If we really believe that God sent Jesus to us to proclaim truth and put him on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven and allowed him to be raised again to offer us eternal life, if that's Jesus, if Jesus is God and he's telling us the truth, this verse changes all of that, doesn't it? No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is making a truth claim that he is the way to God. And we've got to hear that. We've got to grapple with that. We've got to deal with the implications of Jesus being the path to eternal life. One more passage that I want us to look at before we think about some of that application is over in Romans chapter 8. We studied a little bit from Romans all the way through this series. This is sort of a long passage, but I want to get it in front of us. So let me read verses 1 through 4. Paul says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? That's, that's a similar claim to what Jesus just said, right? No condemnation in Jesus. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. What's Paul saying? He's saying, listen, we can make all kinds of rules. Okay? We can make long lists of rules. We could start with the top ten and call them the Ten Commandments, which we're going to study this summer. Or we could make 639 of them, however we want to do it. We can make all kinds of rules. But what we're going to find out is that the rules usually just show that we are sinners. Because we don't keep them very well. And there are rules in lots of religions. And people are just as inadequate in those religions in keeping the rules as we are. But Jesus, Jesus sets us free from that. Because Jesus knew that we couldn't keep all the rules. Jesus knew that we are all sinners, every single one of us in the room, and that we needed forgiveness from that sin. And that the only way for us to find forgiveness was for him to go to the cross. And because he went to the cross, we were set free from sin and all the ways that we broke the rules. So what is this, these two passages together? What do they teach us? It's a simple truth. It's nothing that's going to so shock you or surprise you this morning, but here it is. Salvation is found in Jesus. In Jesus. Now if we, if we say that, and we believe it as a church, and we should because it's exactly what Scripture teaches, both in Jesus and in Paul and every New Testament writer, and certainly the Old Testament writers look forward to it as well. If that's what we believe, there's a couple of things that we really need to grapple with. In fact, there's a lot of them, but we don't have unlimited time. The first is this. We need to bring people to Jesus. All religions are not the same. All religions don't offer forgiveness and eternal life. All religions don't call us to the same God. And since we believe that it is Jesus who offers us forgiveness and salvation and eternal life, we've got the good news. See, sometimes we hear this and we say, man, that's, that's sort of bad because we're saying that, that some people don't have this eternal life. But in Scripture, this is always the good news that there is eternal life and that Jesus offers it to us. And we don't have to pay for it. We don't have to earn it. What we have to do is put our trust in Jesus Christ, repent of our sins, and we've all got sins to repent of, and then be immersed into him for forgiveness and to receive the Holy Spirit. That's the good news. And if we're really concerned about the people around us, and if we love them, then it's time for us to say, they need to hear this good news. Because I want them to know Jesus, and I want them to have eternal life. Now, some of us struggle a little bit with that. We're not sure exactly how to do it. We don't even know how to begin. Well, in two weeks, we're actually going to begin a short series, and we're going to talk about some of that and hopefully give you some tools and help you be more prepared to introduce people to Jesus so that they can have this relationship that lasts for eternity. 
The second thing, show respect for people who have different beliefs. As our world changes, we are going to encounter more and more people who have beliefs that are different from ours, and some who reject God altogether. We're going to face that more and more. And we have to think about what's the best way to do what we were talking about just a second ago. If our mission is to love God and love others, and that's ultimately expressed most clearly as we introduce them to Jesus so that they can have eternal life, then we're probably going to need to show respect for them. And we may disagree on the things that are most fundamental, the things that matter the most. But even when we disagree with people in a fundamental way, we can still show respect. And, and, and sometimes our response to that is, yeah, but some of those people are the extremists that we were talking about earlier. Some of those are out to kill and, and destroy lives, and that's true. But here's the thing. There are lots of things done in the name of Jesus around our world that I want no part of. Because I don't think Jesus would want any part of them. And there have been lots of things done throughout Christian history that every single one of us would be very upset about if we said this is done in the name of Jesus. And I don't want to be painted with the same brush that people would paint all of that with. And so what we have to do is the hard work of recognizing that just because someone puts a label on themselves, that may not mean the same thing it does to everyone who carries that label. That's hard. It's uncomfortable. And I'm not saying we should say, wow, to an extremist of any religion, that's okay. Well, we, we respect that. We respect your desire to kill people. No. That's not, that's not what Jesus would have done. Jesus would have condemned that, and he did condemn people who were ready to do that. But I think what's really something we have to deal with more is the people that are going to be living down the street in the next town. And, and we have to say, okay, even though we disagree, I respect because I love God and I love others. And that's going to be hard work. And it's not going to get any easier. And we're going to have more and more of that hard work to do. But when it comes down to the fact that salvation is found in Jesus, we're called to share that message with everyone, whether they're different from us or not. And here's what I've noticed. As uncomfortable as all of this makes us, as uncomfortable it's, as it's going to continue to make us, the world that we live in and the world that our children and grandchildren are going to live in is going to be a lot more like the first century that the early Christians lived in when they were a minority and everyone who surrounded them believed in all kinds of other things. And you know what they did? They got out and they shared the message of Jesus because they knew salvation is found in him. Let's pray together. God, we admit that this, this is a little hard for us because we've got some fear. 
We know, we know there are people in our world who stand against us because we believe in the name of Jesus. But God, we also know that the name of Jesus is more powerful than any other name that could be uttered. And so we put our trust in him. And God, we pray that you will help us to have the wisdom to navigate these difficult waters. Help us to understand how we should approach people who don't believe the same things we believe. People who reject you entirely. God, give us the strength to share the message of Jesus with them. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.